Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. All right. What is up, everyone? Welcome to another edition of Chasing the Tide, your saltwater connection on the Paddle and Fin Podcast Network. I'm your host, Dustin. I hope you all all know me by now if you're listening. If not, uh welcome to you uh new new listeners to the pod here and uh you know we got a good show lined up tonight um you know it's been kind of busy we've dealt with a lot of rain here in uh coastal texas the last few days so it's kind of affecting some of my little backwater areas but you know the fish are still around um you just got to make some moves adjustments uh to find some clean water and uh just get after it so you know it's been kind of good this week you know, with all that, though, you know, the fish are they're still there, but, you know, it's just just making adjustments and find the time, find the right water. So just uh, just take that in mind, you know, when you're out on the water here, if you got dealing with some runoff or anything like that, uh, you just make some adjustments, you know, throw something that's a little more visual, got a little more vibration or add a little scent to your bait. So there's a little quick tip to start off with. But let's uh, let's bring on the guest tonight. Uh, we got uh, Alexis Tejeda coming on right now. There he is, Alex. What's going, What's going on, on man? How's it much. going, brother? Doing good. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Fella, fella Jackson Kayak guy on here with me. Always good to have teammates on the show. So, yeah, what, what's been going on, man? Besides the wind? I mean, it's it's blowing. <laughs> it's been blowing like 30 miles per hour for the last five days. Coming the tarpon, killing, killing, killing the flat fishing just for the next day is literally gone from 87 degree water to, I mean, we're in 82, 81 in the last five days. It's, it's just a shock. You know, fish, fish are moving around and backing off again. But we were, we were right on track with the summer pattern. Bonefish were showing up. The tarpon were starting to to do their move. The the micro still haven't shown up. The ten to like thirty pounders still mm-hmm. waiting on those guys because we haven't gotten a lot of rain like we're supposed to. So once that starts again, we'll we'll should be back. So it's starting to look good for next week again. Winds are backing off. Heat's coming on again. We're looking at eighty, which really means ninety five, a hundred. Oh yeah, with the humidity yeah. factor in the humidity and Definitely. light winds. That's so South that, Texas. 
Um, yeah, just like here in South Texas, that South Florida humidity is uh is brutal. It'll get you. It'll get <laughs> sure you. enough, you, you could. I, I tap out by noon, so it's uh, uh five five a.m. starts, five thirty a.m. starts, yep. paddling out in the dark and fishing from six a.m. from first light to about noon is the typical pattern. And if you're brave, you'll do the afternoon and. Hopefully you don't get a thunderstorm that just pops up out of nowhere. Pops up, them little yeah. pop-up thunderstorms in the yeah. afternoon. With, with, whatever. with a yep. ton of lightning. But if you get it right and it ends just about right, those afternoons are pretty magical. They're 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 fun. If you get them just right, you time them right where the wind just dies off, the storm fizzles Yeah, you get out. that afternoon glass off, it cools it down, Ooh. rain cools it down a little bit. Oh, oh yeah. Man. Oh, yeah. You, you could have yourself a killer session a couple hours there right as the sun goes down I've, I've seen some magical hours go down two three hours even one hour but it's just tailing bonefish permit tarping everywhere i mean you don't know what to cast that i've seen them all mixed up within 100 yards of them each other i mean you don't know what Stick to cast i've seen i've seen <laughs> i've seen 20 30 pound tarping with their backs out of the water in the grass neck and bonefish tailing literally on them like you can't make the cast on the bone because you know the tarpon's gonna jump on the fly. You're like, whoa, that's a conundrum. You gotta literally wait for for the bonefish kind of to squeeze by and then make the cast. And most of the times, you make the cast and the tarpon comes and charges the fly. And I'm like, Jesus! And everybody gets spooked. You end up catching nothing. And they're all gone. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Oh man, that sounds like some fun. Well, hey man, I appreciate you coming on tonight. Um, Absolutely. Just uh, tell everybody a little bit of backstory. You know, um, where you're from down there in South Florida, and uh, what got you into you know, fishing, and we'll let you into that uh, plastic boat. Originally, I'm from California, upstate California, just uh, Travis, uh, uh, Solano County in, in California. So it's a little bit north of San Francisco. Parents were Air Force brat. Dad was in the Air Force. And then uh, my grandfather, Cuba, came from Cuba in the early 50s, huge fisherman. So he couldn't deal that I was the only grandson and me in California. So my parents relocated back to, to Miami and the fishing began as soon as I, I touched foot here on, on Florida again. Since I was, what, three years old, I, it was nonstop from there. And then took a little hiatus. Once I was in high school, I did a lot of fishing in high school as well, too. We had a house in the Keys. So naturally gravitated right back to fishing again. And I mean, I was fishing months at a time, like every day. I, you couldn't find me. It was just looking the water in the horizon and I was somewhere out there looking for yeah, fish. No doubt. Then college kicked in, took a little break. We had sold the house in the Keys and the boat was just sitting there. The skiff was just sitting there in my grandfather's yard and then it moved over to our house and my dad was like, enough is enough. I don't want this boat here. They sold it. Didn't want to get another boat because I didn't want to deal with the whole story and I was still in college and uh, was getting in the back end of college, finished school and I was like, well, what to do now? I was like, started doing a lot of land-based fishing and it just wasn't working for me in the land-based fishing, especially down here in South Florida. You could do it. A lot of kids do it. It's successful. It's kind of a stepping ground for everybody down here. You do a lot of the land-based stuff. But I, I need more adventure. Um, I need I need to get past that. I, I want to know what's on that horizon. So skiff wasn't an option. So I was like, hmm, had a buddy in my job that had just bought a kayak at uh, Sports Authority. And I asked him to lend it to me. So I took it out, almost sank it. The kayak was an old pelican and <laughs> was not very favorable to, to, to cross open water. By the time I got back to the ramp, there was about 20 gallons of water inside that pelican. Oh, man. But Slowed I, it down a lot, too. Made a little heavy. Oh, <laughs> oh man. That, that was a rough paddle. And then uh, 
I was like, you know what? I like this. Ended up getting a Cobra kayak just for a starter. Cost me like four hundred bucks. I was like, I'm not gonna get. I'm not gonna invest too much money into this yet. I outgrew that kayak in eight months. It was done. I was catching 60, 70 pound tarpon off this little 10 foot and a half Cobra kayak. I was like, this is not going to work out. (laughs) I was like, this is not going to work out. So within the six or eight months, I was like, saved up enough money, sold that kayak immediately, saved up a couple cash and got myself a new uh, ocean kayak prowler 13. Fished that for about about two years. I mean, I fished it hard. I was in Flamingo, learned how to stand and pull in it. I mean, we were grinding on that kayak. And then uh, Jackson came knocking on the door one day, and we started talking. I had been knocking on the door with uh, with Hobie for a little bit, going back and forth and kind of negotiating how this was going to work out. And then uh, hung out with Brooks, Jameson, and the Keys with uh, Randy, and I just fell in love with the Cuda. I was like, this is the boat. I was like, I had been on uh, Hobie, all the Pro Angler, the Revo, the Outback, and I liked them all. They were all great boats. But for what I wanted to do, which was the flats fishing, mm-hmm. I was like, this was going to be it. So a couple weeks later, after hanging out in the Keys, I got a call from Brooks. And he's like, if you want to be a part of the team, this is it. This is the, this is the beginning of, the, of the, the actual fishing team, the inception of the Jackson fishing team when they were putting it together. So I, I've been there since like the inception where, where it just started. Yeah, because so, Brooks was in charge of that then when it first kicked off. Yeah, yes, you, you're yeah. like the OG, like yeah. beginnings right there. That's pretty I, cool. I, I'm, I'm in the beginning up there with Brooks, Jameson, Randy. Like, we jumped in, and I, I just couldn't pass that down. I was like, absolutely. And it was it was a close-knit, real family-oriented. I wasn't going to get mixed up. And and how can I put it? Uh, Hobie was – they were nice, but the problem was that it, it's just so big. It, it, they, they've been around. I was just going to get put, put into the stockade, basically. And – if you're not, you know, grinding hard or you're, you're just not sticking out, I, it just wasn't going to move forward. I was like, all right, cool. I like this whole family feel to it. I like that I was able to call uh, Jameson or Brooks on their cell phone at whatever time yep. and, and just talk shop, and they were open to it. And I just like the family. So I jumped on Jackson and never looked back. So right after that, it just started getting even more serious. I had been fishing now, kayak fishing at that point now since I've been fishing kayak fishing since 2008. So kayak fishing wasn't even grow, wasn't even really uh, much of a thing. There were still some kayakers out in 2008, but it really wasn't much of a thing. And uh, I, I started, I got there right at the beginning, right before it started blowing up. Then the offshore scene started blowing up down here. The guys in Destin were were taking care of business up there. So there was a lot of uh, new things coming down the pipe hole. People were innovative and and changing the the, the, the dynamics of kayak fishing. So I got in. Right at the very inception of it, I mean, right at the big bang of it, when it when it was going off, and I just I just pushed the pedal down at that point. I was like, pedal to the metal, man. Pedal to the metal. <laughs> I pushed the pedal down. Didn't look back. I was like, if it's gonna happen, I was like, I, I there was so much to learn, so much water to cover here in South South Florida. I mean, I had the Keys, I had Biscayne Bay, I got the Everglades. Yep. I mean, I'm only three hours away from Titusville. I, I'm in in west on the west side as well too, fishing Fort Myers. The right, Golden area, right. San Marco, Chocoloski, uh, Everglades City, you name it, I've been in there. And then started meeting certain cliques that were, were, were in the same page where our vision was the same. And we hit it off and the exploring really started kicking off. We really started pushing out what time, like time on the water. I mean, right. we've done we we started doing like ridiculous trips, like, all right. Let's take a three-day camping trip and go from Flamingo to Robbie's in, in, in uh, Isla Morada. 
we cut Florida Bay in half. And we literally went from, we launched at Flamingo. We had our, our, our significant others drop us off at Flamingo Ramp, leave, and we took off to Robbie's. And we took three days sleeping in islands, cheekies, and I mean, we tore it up. I mean, we were catching. <laughs> There's a picture on my Instagram, if you look, uh, where me and my, my buddy Chris text. We, uh, he's holding an eight-pound bone, and I'm holding an uh, eight-pound redfish. And it was an argument because they were tailing right next to each other. And we're like, no, I saw it first. No, you saw it first. No, no, we saw it. <laughs> it, it was a fist fight, basically. And I was like, you know what? Everybody for themselves, make the cast. Whatever we catch, we catch. And he ended up hooking the bone, and I ended up hooking the redfish. So we're zigzagging between each other, uh, trying not to get tangled up while redfish is zigzagging this way, and his bone's <laughs> going this way. And we ended up jumping in the water and taking that picture. Where, where a redfish bonefish literally at the same spot, literally tailing next to each other. I mean, that's how crazy it got. And then it just kept on getting more and more. Pro the progression just continued. You know, I mean, we started with the spin fishing and it, we were going into, to, I mean, the most remote places you can think of just looking. We were finding fish and we were putting the formula together and it was working. And then um, I needed something new. We all did. The spin fishing started getting a little on the boring side, long in the tooth. We, we had accomplished a lot for such a short period of time, and we had put uh, 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 an infinite amount of time in the water. And then one of us picked up a fly rod, and then it was just spiral, it just spiraled out of hand. And the fly fishing era began, which probably began in 2011, 2012. The fly fishing era began and ended up retiring all my spinning fish, all my spin fish gear. And I had, at that point was when, uh, if you don't remember, uh, when the Shimano FIs were out. Yeah. So I had a bunch of FIs, the Shimano FIs and, and star rods when they were really popular at that point. I mean, I had a fleet of them. I got rid of everything and just started buying fly rods and, and figuring out fly rods and going to the shop and being a shop rat, asking questions, just, you know, just grinding 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 until we uh we started i started figuring out i never took any lessons no one taught me how to fly a fish i literally saw youtube videos a yeah. couple youtube videos <laughs> because I at that time youtube was around but it, it it didn't lift off where it is right now so i was watching some of the other guides use it i was watching my buddies how do they fly a fish and their mechanics behind it so i'm self-taught and then you know and just having other people watching me every once in a while and giving me a pointer here and there and this just Putting right. time in it's the a different animal, especially in the wind. I mean, you you, uh, you got to know how to load it up right and all that good stuff. Leaders, uh, flies, yep. lines, how to tie all your leaders. Yeah, every, bait, bait selection, everything. It every, comes down, and then, then doing it off of a kayak. Then and then <laughs> learning how to put all then that was another learning curve all in itself. Putting it all together, putting together the the catching uh catching fish on a kayak with a fly rod because a spinning rod was easy. I mean, it's just you know just had a rod holder a little higher, and all I have to do is just fling a, a bait, a, yep. a, a paddle tail or, or a fluke at a redfish. And I mean, that was, that was cake. I could launch a hundred yards at a fish and just land it right in front of its head. But then the fly rod was, 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 was interesting because now we had to put the dynamic of putting the push pull down. And then the push pull began too. We're like, well, yep. let's take the push pull from the, the skiffs, put them in the kayaks. And now we're push pulling everywhere. Cause I mean, I see hundreds of pictures of people fishing in kayaks, but you never yes. see, you never see push pulls on the kayaks. Yeah, you never do. I've seen. The I guys have a little bit longer um, stakeout pole myself. It's probably eight and a half, nine foot long that I'll I'll take on occasion and I'll use it to push around in the back marsh and stuff myself. So yeah, oh, it's definitely God. an advantage to have it's, something like it's, that. It's it's the push pole. I mean, I I've I've got my push pole and I I can't go home. I can't leave without it. I don't have a push pole and I might as well just go home. 
because it just makes a, a, a huge difference. I mean, yep. put the time behind it. The push pull is quieter than a paddle. Stealth, yes. It's, it's all about stealth down here because you're looking for tailing bonefish in eight to six inches of water. You're looking for permit. Yes. You're looking for bone. Um, super clear. Super, super spooky. Clear, yeah, super, super spooky. Super, spooky. super yeah. spooky, super pressured, super everything with these fish. So you, you need to be on your A game down here. A lot of people come down and they think Biscayne Bay or the Keys. The Keys are a little more forgiving. A lot of There's a lot more fish down there, I think. So the keys, you can get away with 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 catching more fish, and the fish, like the bonefish, are a little smaller, which they're not anymore. They're starting to get pretty big down there, and uh, and they're starting to get a lot more than than we do up here. But you get more more quality over quantity down there, so you can get away with with you know making a little bit more noise and racket, but you still have to be right. stealthy. And permit fishing, I don't even have to explain it. It's permit fishing. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah. Keys, Biscayne Bay. I don't. I mean the Gulf side. I mean because they're 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 off of Naples as well too, and in Golden yes. as well too. We've seen the big schools of them coming through. I mean they all act the same. So permit fishing. That's it's a fish of a thousand cast. So yeah, that's what I was I was wanting to get at was the species you had target down there. And so you say you got a lot of bonefish. Y'all have the permit. And you have like the the juvenile tarpon and some of the bigger bigger tarpon you'll run into. We got um, both. We got redfish and yeah, redfish. Wintertime is all about snook. I'll be in yeah. the backcountry all winter long in your Flamingo or Everglades City or Marco Island doing the marshes, doing the backcountry back there. And that's all snook. Laid up snook, looking for snook, laid up in skinny water where their back's sticking out of the water and their eyeballs oh, yeah. are sticking out. <laughs> so that's that's the gig. And then plus the red fishing as well, too. The red fishing is not bad down here. I mean, Flamingo's gone off again. The grass came back on snake bite. It, it's just it's doing good i mean it's doing good weather it's getting it's healthy it's it's yeah, it's, it's as healthy as it's been in a really long time so the fishing's good you can go out there and, and poke around if you know what you're doing and you just literally you really don't really need to know what you're doing you just need to put a little bit of time and some effort out there and you'll find fish the redfish are out there the snooker out there we've had a huge surge of big trout and i mean like 20 22 inch trout 26 inch trout which disappeared yeah. We had a huge grass kill, and all the trout right. disappeared, and now the trout are starting to show up. And now it's actually worth going after these things because, I mean, they're gators. They're yeah. A 26-inch trout is it's a respectable trout. It's not a Texas oh, trout. Oh, definitely. No, that's a good good fish for sure. It's not a, a, a 33, 32-inch tr uh, trout that these guys in Texas catch. I've seen these guys catch, I mean, absolute slobs. But Yep. There's some it's, big ones over here. <laughs> it's still it's still a decent trout for South Florida. Sure, I mean. and it's made a big rebound too because I know the the um, the fishery uh, Mosquito Lagoon and some of the other stuff on the western on the Gulf side kind of took a hit with a lot of that runoff and some some algae blooms and stuff like that. It's but, sad. Um, it's I, definitely there's definitely a rebound though. There, it's there definitely is. happening. I, I've been to Mosquito Lagoon a handful of times. Like I said, it's only three hours away. I'll go out there every once in a while. The black drum fishing is not bad. There's some nice snook fishing. There's tarpon, but it's not what it was. Like what it used to be. Yeah. It's not a 2009, 2010 where you would go out to. The, I'm not even going to name points. But you would go out to this point, and there was 30 to 20 
between 36 to 44 inch redfish just you know cruising just sitting around and you just stick a fly in front of them and they would eat or hang a piece on of, or, or hang on basically you know, <laughs> throw a piece of mullet at them and they eat yep they'd eat it uh, those days i have i've been out there a few times too and it's it's the different gear i mean it's just been different it's yeah. just it's happened across the state, I think. I mean, from I think from Titusville down to South Florida, a little bit in the Keys, not too much in the Keys. The Keys have kind of held on for dear life, but I think that's more because they get there's such a small, small footprint of land, and it's, they're surrounded with so much water that they just got a lot of water flow, so they can shuffle yeah. water in and out, and the water quality stayed a little above above normal. Above normal, yeah. But Biscayne Bay, I've seen Biscayne Bay do do cartwheels. At this point, from good yeah. to bad to worse to good to amazing to horrible again to like, oh, my God, Biscayne Bay is done. And then it comes back again. I mean, Mother right. Nature's resilient. I've seen her. Right. For push, sure. Push, 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 push. I mean, right now, where we're sitting right now, Biscayne Bay, it's not doing too bad. I mean, it's probably like 80 percent, almost 90 percent, only the high 80s, 90 percent. A lot of places that didn't have grass now has grass, which is awesome. But we'll see now with the summertime. I mean, this hot yep. water and a lot of fresh water that's just just brings kills the complete the, the Biscayne Bay completely turns into a freshwater pond basically because you're just opening all the davits and all the dams that pump water right. from from the city and all that water is just bringing fertilizer and bringing all the dam. It's yep. so bad. It's so bad that I came down the channel, came down to my one of my my. I'll give you a quick. I came down. To my favorite, one of my, at that point, was one of my favorite bonefish flats. Turned the corner, and I found a cart that had a, it was flopping around. I was like, what is that? Paddle up to it, and it's a cart that came from the from the dam on the other side of the canal. Came through the dam and out the channel, and a, and a bull shark had chomped at it and took its rudder out. So it was just flopping around on the water in, mm. the, in the middle of Biscayne Bay. Freshwater carp. Huh. That, that goes to tell you. How much fresh water gets pumped out here that the carp were making it into the middle of the damn bay and the sharks were going at it with them, having a field day wow. with them. So that that affects that affects the dynamics and the, the yes the, it does the, of that flat. I mean, it takes a while for the salinity to go up and then the bonefish completely disappeared for a while because yeah they definitely shag ass and move out of there when that's yeah. like, that uh -huh. when that salinity drops yeah so. Yeah, that affects it. Everything that concrete jungle, you know, you get all the runoff from the the cities and you know the canals and everything. That they have to, you know, release it to prevent prevent flooding. So no, yeah. absolutely. And then yeah. most of South Biscayne Bay is is covered by by agriculture. So it's yeah. all fertilizer. And you get all that runoff of, too. Yeah. That's I mean, today I saw Benny Blanco finally posted that they put a strict rule, a new law in, where they're banning fertilizers from I think May to like. September or something like that. No more fertilizer during the rainy season. I was like, about time. So, about time. I mean, that, that's finally. a step. Uh, it took that taking, long, though. <laughs> it took you know? years, but it's a step forward. So yeah. hopefully it makes a, a, a bigger impact on, on South Florida right now. Well, yeah, and that that affects, you know, the fishery it affects your livelihood, too, because like I was, I was going to get into that you, you actually do, um, you actually have a guide business also. Absolutely. So we're two years now in, um, well, I'm two years now in, I've always wanted to be do the guide thing. I always did it off and on. Was never full time about it. Wasn't too committed about it. I did do a couple guide. I would do a select few people, and every year I would take them out. The same people would come back, but I wasn't too wasn't keeping too busy about it. I was a little apprehensive about it. And uh, my wife told me go all in. She's like, I have a day job, but.
but I, I I'm miserable with the day job. It's not it's not my life. It's not it's not a goal that that it's a dead end for me at this point at that job. So I was like, well, it's a dead end. It's not really a career anymore because they 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 destroyed it. So I was like, well, you know what? I, I'm fishing my brains out. I'm wasting all this money in fishing and dedicating all this time that you can't buy. I mean, you can't buy the time that I spent right. and, and all these bodies of water. I was like, you know what? I was like, I'm, I'm just going to go for it. I'm going to put all my, my eggs in a basket and just try it out. So we, I opened up last year, early last year, decided to do the website and just open up and just start guiding full time. And it took a little bit of time, but I'm pretty busy right now. So thank God COVID's back down and my phone yep. hasn't stopped. And knock on wood, it just keeps going and I could do this full time. The goal is to to split my time once it, it gets pretty busy. I'm going to do the skiff. I'm going to reacquire the skiff again. And I'm going to split time doing the skiff and the kayak. But I think the kayak is going to supersede the skiff because it's just I feel comfortable on the kayak. I love it. But I can't I can't let go of the skiff as well, too. I mean, that's also an opportunity that I can't let go. So I was like, oh, we'll do the we'll do the the joint, you know, the skiff fishing with clients as well, too. But oh, kayak, cool. The kayak kayak fishing is going to continue as well too. So we're gonna we're gonna jump on both. I have a a unique, uh, at least down here in South Florida. I haven't seen it. I know a couple guys that do it on the West Coast that they have both, and they've kind of ventured off and did the kayak guiding and the skiff. But down here in South Florida, like in the Keys and Biscayne Bay, no one does it. So I'm I'm one of the few guys. I think that runs from like Key Largo all the way to to Marathon, and then Randy runs on the other side of the Seven Mile Bridge because he has more water than me. And that, those seven mile, those what is it, twenty twenty five miles from the Seven Mile Bridge to to Key West, he has more water to cover than I do, and a hundred miles. So he has a lot of water to cover down there in the Key West and uh, Big Pine area. So we we kind of overlap a little bit right by Marathon. So we help each other out a lot. But, oh, that's cool. But I got, I got, sure. I got a huge range. So I'm in Everglades. So I do from from Marco Island to Everglades City to Flamingo, and then from Flamingo I go from from Biscayne, from Upper Biscayne Bay, from Key Biscayne, basically all the way down to Marathon. So it's a lot of water to cover. So one day I can be in South Florida and Biscayne. The next day I'm in Marathon, and then the following day I'm in San Marco. So I'm doing a lot of moving around. All so, right, on man. Dude, I'm gonna have to make it down there. It's a possibility I'll I'll be in uh in Florida for iCast. Okay. So uh dude, I'd, I'd be stoked to come down there and catch a bonefish off the kayak. I mean, <laughs> iCast iCast lands just about the right time. I mean, what is uh, iCast is July. 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 Yeah. No, it's in July. It's coming oh. up. Coming up here pretty quick like the July is bonefish permit. Like July permit. I mean, you can go to iCast in the morning, show up in the afternoon if you get hit the tides right and do an afternoon session. We'll set it up. I'm, yeah. I'm Orlando. Open. That's about another. Would it be about four hours to get down there? Nah, it's three and a half hours. Three and a half, give or take Miami traffic. Yeah, give or take the traffic. Yeah, what time of day and everything. My, and that, my, that is, I got your Instagram on here. Uh, bone collector kayak. It's bone underscore collector underscore kayak fishing. And then the website is uh bone collector kayak fishing dot com. Bone, bone collector kayak fish dot com. Yeah, we'll we'll go through. I'll put all that back up at the end and everything. We'll post links awesome. in the in the uh the post the facebook post and all that but yeah cool deal man on that guy business i mean that's a going full time with that going you know wide open that's awesome you know you're doing something you were doing all, 
putting a lot of time on the water anyway. So why not, you know, jump into it like that <laughs> and and just share it. I mean, I, my, the whole idea about the guide business, to be honest with you, it's not the money. That's the plus. The idea is yeah. to be able to share my knowledge with people that don't get this opportunity. I mean, there's not a lot of people. I mean, I'll give you an example. I had a young, I mean, the most mature 21 year old I've ever met in my life show up uh, at my doorstep last Thursday wanting, looking for a guide last minute. And I was like, well, lucky enough, I was only available for that one day. The rest of the week I was, I was booked. I was like, you picked the perfect day. We showed up. This kid got a show. We, we got there early. He was there on time. We turned the corner. He's a novice star fly fisherman. He's, he's beginning, but he's doing good. His cast is good. You know, he's, he's, he's picking up on it. We turned the corner and I was like, we're not even going to start the engine. We're just going to paddle this real quick and look at it. And sure enough, bonefish tail in front of us i mean there's a school of 30s tailing on us and these were off eight to ten pound bonefish just tailing Whoa. in front of us and i was like well have at it buddy and we had about three hours of that going on this kid's knees were knocking every every 20 feet it was another school of, of five ten sometimes 20 fish tailing depending on the size of big boys were five or six of them tailing by themselves doing their thing and then behind them was a school of like the seven to eight pounders that was 20 fish coming at you and uh, he had never seen that. He's never seen redfish tail because he's kind of like just about an hour north of of uh, of Tampa. So he yeah. he's I mean he was enamored about it. He he wants to come back. And I told him I was like, listen, come back, do your thing, call me. I was like, and we'll we'll do a friends trip because that, that that's how much he impressed me with his maturity and his and his skills at that point, especially at that age and and what yeah. he was what he's accomplished. I was like, free of charge. I'll give you one on the house. Let's go. Let's go friend fish and we'll do it together. But um, it's all about me trying to put people in front of fish. That's that's the thing I get. I get a kick. Right, as much right. as I love catching them, don't get me wrong. I like catching bonefish. I love them. It's my thing. I, that's my one fish. But I like catching tarpon, permit, redfish. I get a kick out of it. But I like watching other people do it. That's more more of a of a challenge to put someone else in, and see that smile and, and yeah, answer the questions. For and, sure. Answer all these questions and, and, you know, leave someone with an impression. That's the, that's the whole idea behind the guiding. And I think I'm good at it. I mean, I have a, a, a natural talent for it. I mean, which I never knew until I started taking people out. I'm like, well, I think I'm better at guiding than I am at, at fishing sometimes. <laughs> uh -huh, right on. Yeah, I know. It's definitely something I've I've wanted to do here. You actually got to take the, the uh, captain's license course here and go through some stuff. Um, but, yeah, I've taken a couple of guys I've met uh, fishing bass tournaments. And, um, you know, they have never fished the salt water, make a trip down and get to, get to go, you know, hang out and put them on the water, put them on some fish. And it's actually, it's pretty fun, you know, enjoying, enjoying that, you know, getting them on the water. Trying to the battery here. Uh-oh. Yeah, I was running out of battery, so I had to uh, take the charger. Oh, yeah, right on. It's all good. We're good. Get We're good her going. All right on. So, yeah, I, I usually throw a question out there about pick three, you know, three setups, which you're going to have tied on. But, man, you're always, uh, you know, let's talk a little bit about your your fly fishing setup since uh, that seems like what, you're, what you got going on right now. Um, you know, so, what is it? Is there different baits you're going to throw at different times of year depending on the the what they're eating, the you know, the to match the hatch, so you say? Um, so... I prefer, I, I don't mind going six weight, but eight weight seems to be the all around down here in South Florida. You can get away with everything. You catch bones, you got redfish, snook, 
you can even catch baby tarpon with it, permit, like the micro guys. But I think the repertoire is an eight and a nine in your back pocket constantly. You can always carry a 10 or 11. I prefer the 11 weight. So I usually, in my back pocket and my kayak, is usually an eight, nine, and an 11. 11 is more for the permit for the heavy flies and the tarpon. Because I've learned, I don't mind catching them on lighter stuff. But the tarpon, especially made in the summertime where the water is just like, I mean, it's it's boiling. It's it's open upper nineties almost. It's yeah, nasty. Yeah. They don't last long, so I'd rather take out the eleven, hook them, whoop them, and kill them off and let them rip. So yeah, that's get them in before they exhaust themselves. Yeah, especially with those higher tips. Yep. Yep. Same thing with the bonefish. Earlier in the year, when the springtime, I'll go out there with a six week for the fun of it. You know, pack and bring bring a reel, small reel with a lot of backing in it, and I'll whack them yep. with a six weight. But summertime, same thing, eight, nine weights, so you can beat these fish up quick. I think name of the game is put the brakes on them and, and bring them in, let them go. Don't even take them. Summertime, you, if you notice in the summertime, my picture of bonefish starts tweeting, and then I stop yep. posting. Now that I'm not catching, is that I'm not even taking them out of the water. I'm just having, popping them and letting them rip because I, can't, I yep. can't afford it. These fish are basically paying my bills now, and I can't have these fish dying, so I don't even get them out of the water. True. I'll net them every once in a while. The summertime, I start taking up nets and net them and leave them on the net for a while. The shark situation, at least in Biscayne Bay, is not too bad. Florida in the Keys, it gets a little little spicy, and the sharks are a little yeah. feistier down there. Barracudas, so, too, huh? It does come into <laughs> hand. Um, you know... Speaking about barracudas, it's been a rough year for them. I don't understand what's going on. I mean, I've spoken to a few people, and it, there was a lot of big ones, especially down south, but in my way, and kind of a, a couple of the flats that I used to find them a lot, all around. They, there wasn't a lot of them this year. It was a rough year for me with barracudas. I don't know if I was doing something wrong, but I mean, I spoke to a few guys, and uh, some people were doing good. They were catching monsters. There was a lot of real big ones, but there was none of the in-betweeners. None of the small guys huh. and none of the like the four to five footers. Those are fun. And then there there was giants because I saw a couple giants this year and I, I ended up hooking one of them. Never got to land because the hook came out and came back at me at about Mach ten. And um, yeah, it always seems to do that, don't it? <laughs> yeah, they spin they spin around and come at you in Mach ten and the fly, the hook that I have on that one particular fly, I don't like it necessarily, but it's something I just buy at the shop because kind of lazy time sometimes lately. And I used to be a big tire. I still am, but I just have time lately. I mean, as we speak, I'm poly. Tomorrow is probably the only day that I have off because I had to cancel one of my charters due to 30 mile per hour winds. I think everybody, yeah. skiff, kayaks, everybody's canceled at the moment right now. Postponed. Right. I think I'm going to take tomorrow and uh, tie a few flies. So, depending on the area, depends on the fly that I like using. Biscayne Bay, I like throwing more of the manti, manti shrimp style mm-hmm. flies. Very subtle, very light. Waters, you're fishing shallow water. I want a, a very light presentation. The keys, especially the lower keys, I completely turn around. I like throwing heavier flies because you're finding fish in deeper water with a little bit of more water movement, more current, and I'm throwing more of a crab pattern, big merkin or a strong arm crab. That's basically what I throw down in the keys. So I have to have a big repertoire of flies between merkins, uh, patterns i mean those are basically my three yeah. my three my big three the, the shrimpy patterns the perverka uh, mantis shrimp which i tie my little variation and i specify in the color i have a, a unique color 
that I don't want to share yet with the world. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but everybody has their quirks. I mean, you can throw the right. at them, man. I've thrown different flies at them. I've thrown crab flies at these biscuit bay bones, and they eat. I just gotten real comfortable with this certain color, and it worked. And it works for the, t- the permit as well down here. For sure. I put right few on, of them man. now. I haven't been able to land, land them. But I like what I'll do is that I'll build about three different variations, real light, to land on like thicker grass, shallow water. Then I'll tie another version where yeah, between the, the, the eight to one foot range, and then I'll tie the same version where I can fish it in a bigger, larger column of water between the one foot to three foot range. I like flies that sink fast. Especially yeah. in that that deeper water, yeah, I, need deeper to, water I need to get it down in front of their face. Down. Yep, put it in their face. Yep. It needs to dive down. Once you put it, once you put it, once it touches the water, and especially bonefish, you want to you want to lead a, a bonefish when they're coming. You want to lead them by like five to ten feet almost sometimes, depending yeah. on the size. Like the big ones, I'll lead them ten feet. I'll figure out their track, cut them off at a ninety degree angle, put that fly at kind of a ninety. So when it gets close, I make the, the fly kind of move and kind of mimics them picking up a bait fish and they pounce on it. Yeah. Same thing with a head-on shot. I mean, you, cannot, you can't always do the 90 degree on, but I mean, for the most part, if you can, you could. But I try to lead my fish by, by a mile. I mean, every once in a while, like everything else, like a redfish, they're spooky. You hit yeah. them in the head and they freak out and they eat. Same thing with Sometimes the they do. Yeah, but, sometimes um, it's just a boom. It's just I, a I reaction. They just bounce it. Yep. They, sure they just... Thing. They they just freak out. They don't know, and it's just a, a reaction. Eat. They just you know. Oh, I mean, yeah. they just bite them. I'm like, what is in this? In my face. Kind of, yep. In my face. Yeah. They just eat it out of anger. I don't know. I just say they eat it out of anger, and then they're like, oh, yep. what is this? And then they're they're like, Oop. oh yeah, too oh, late now. Oh. Bonefish <laughs> gotcha. do it sometimes. Gotcha exactly. Bonefish do it every once in a while, especially they're in the big schools. Sometimes I find them down here in schools of like 200. This is about the time of the year now that we're in May, May, They start aggregating and you start finding these aggregations of them. I've got a couple spots where you pull up and there's like 300, 400 fish. And you can catch 13 of them if you want to. I mean, you just have to throw in the school and something that sinks fast and just strip like a madman. We call it jack stripping. Basically, if you're looking for tuna jetty, uh, jetty tunas and you're just stripping yeah, fast like yeah. you're using a popper yeah yeah fast and these fish will eat these bonefish will eat mid-column same thing with the permit yeah. it's a heavy fly yeah. and you want to strip fast sometimes sometimes they want it slow sometimes they don't even want you to move it they just want you to tap it and just uh, does a little tiny puff on the bottom yeah. and then they pounce on it so you move it too much so those are basically my my top flies the merkin and the the mantis shrimp fly down here in south florida those are the ones i like people have I mean, some people like sliders. I mean, uh, everybody has their 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 gig. Those are my two. My favorite two is always have a, a merkin on the box. Always have a mantis shrimp, and always have some type of. Uh, uh, I always forget the name of this. It'll come to me. A uh, tarpon fly that I like. It's basically just rabbit rabbit strip, a little bit of deer hair, so it pushes a little bit of water and some brushed uh, EP. Very simple fly and yeah. and like four different colors. I like orange for them. I like white, purple, and sometimes I'll throw a little bit of a brown, brown, uh, tan, light tan version of them. Yeah. So the perfect. Get a, I mean the tarpon get a little bit of the same fly, but like in four different colors depending on the water color. That's basically right. why I use it. I mean early in the morning or in the dark, I'm gonna use black and purple, tan it water or stains. I'm gonna use white, and then some of the clearer water stuff. That's when I start going into like the the orange. And uh, it's basically mi- mimicking a polo worm and then a tan, 
little yeah. roach looking fly, basically a cockroach fly almost kind of that I try to mimic. But I just put a little bit of deer hair in the front because I personally like that pushing water. And I like that the deer hair keeps it at, at a mid column, doesn't let it sink too fast. So yeah, I do want it to dark, sink, right? but I want it at a real slow rate. Yeah, I want a slow rate. I go back into the office. I were to make it over there now. Oh, yeah. So, so th- those are. Those are the, your your three kind of like if you're going to get the, you know, you have the the ones you're going to have that, that that's definitely the top three you're going to have on you. That's awesome. And then and then, you know, like you said, yeah, you'll, if I'm going to have. Say again. Oh, I'm saying that if you're going to have those three, that's the if one. I'm going to have flies. Those are, yeah, if you're going to have flies and you're going to come to South Florida, those are the flies you got to have in your box. For sure, you definitely got to have that selection of flies in your box. It's a must. Yeah, and then, yeah. like you said, you're gonna go, you're gonna actually tie some of your own, and that that's kind of therapeutic in its own right. You know, just to kind of, if you got time to to kick back and work on a few flies, you know, kind of get away from stuff and kind of just slip away. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and get I'll away from on, everything uh, else and tie I'll you a few on, there. Yep, I'll put on a Andy Mill podcast or Tom Rowland podcast and just. Brian, or if not, I'll put some type of fishing show in the background, the water experience. Yeah. I've watched all the Jose Wahebe on Waypoint TV oh, yeah. now. They need yes, to come sir. out with Waypoint. They need to come out with the new seasons. Where there you go. There you go. We need 2000, 2001. Come on, guys. I need uh, more uh, fly time background, uh, basically background entertainment to keep going. Yeah, so, for sure. But th- Let's the flight time came, came. The flight time came naturally as well to you. It really did. I mean, it, it, just, it was just a progression of the fly fishing. So, and yeah. from that progression, then it turned into leaders. Leaders got real serious. I mean, it turned into yeah. a mathematical equation. I mean, we were, we were using boca grips to break leaders and figure out what the bike, uh, the bike. Uh, leaders were going to be and what the bike yeah, strength the, was going to be. Yeah, what the strength was uh, of the knots and so, everything. That's that's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. Yeah. Cool I'm deal. trying to fish these bones. I'm trying to use, I, I fish on bone fish now with 12 pounds and that's about it. 12 pounds. 12 pound bite leaders, tippets, 12 and, and so forth. I'll, I'll go down to 10 sometimes when the fish was real big and spooky. So it, it, it gets pretty interesting, especially down here starting say April. It gets pretty spicy. So, yeah. And as the, the summer goes on, it gets even more difficult and more difficult as the summer goes on because these fish are just pressured. People are on the water more in the summertime. Right. And it just gets it gets odd. So you just got to be on your A game down here. And then yeah. fly rods. Downsize I mean, a little bit. Uh, I try to downsize, but like I said, in the summertime, I try not to. I like the eight yep. weight, especially for the bones. But I, I like my rods. I, I think rods are really important. I think reels are overrated i think all the reels in the market are good and they yeah. work i mean you can use everything from a mako a seager to down to uh i mean to a walmart brand reel you know, i got I mean, some uh, in the salt water. what are they scientific anglers or something i think i got a couple of those in yeah, the garage i, mean, I the got an eight weight and a ten weight <laughs> the 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 tfo reels the, i mean all these reels are, are gonna work i think rods are 90% part of the fly fishing first and then the reel comes in last. I mean, the reel, all you're using, I mean, most of the time you're using two to three pound pounds of, of 
of uh, drag on these reels, and the line is doing all the all the drag. It, it's doing all the work yeah. for you. All that fly line, 100 yards of fly line, emits an immense amount of drag and pressure on these fish, and it literally puts the brakes on. So you yeah. can't put these reels that you know with, with heavy drag on. Yeah, it's nice. I have 44 pounds of drag. I was like, you're never going to use it. I, I I have my reels all dialed into twos and three, three pound drafts. Very light. I mean, I mean, you can always palmer reels, but I think rods. And I mean, I've been with Reddington now uh, almost as long as that I've been with, with Jackson Kayaks, with yep. Reddington, working with Reddington closely with Reddington. And I mean, they continue the same feel, the vibe, the whole family vibe. And I like the rods. I mean, my rod right now has always been. Uh, their old school predator was on. Um, I still to this day, man. I, I don't. I don't lend or put those rods in anybody's hands. Those are, I got a few left, and uh, I love the old school. But the new crux from from Reddington, amazing. And then the Grandes. I mean, they killed it with the Grandes. I mean, absolutely overkill with that reel. Steel drags. I think it's four pounds of drag. Uh, they're bulletproof. I mean, I yeah. can't destroy them. I, I I'll, I'll wreck. I'll wreck a, a rise reel. About two seasons, and that I mean, I'm I'm a little abusive. I don't wash my gear sometimes. I get home tired, you know, literally grind. Didn't sleep the night before. I got maybe two, three hours. Come home, just yeah. throw everything, yeah. leave everything in the truck because I'm gonna wake up the next the day and do it. Come home, eat. Had a, yeah, everything stays in the truck. Didn't rinse anything out. Cocks not rinsed. The reels are not rinsed. I come home, say hi to the wife, grab the camera, look at the pictures, put everything back in the bag, eat dinner, and go back to sleep because. I gotta wake up the next day and Early day, grind yeah. again. So I'm yeah, getting maybe two, three, five hours at max. Yeah, we as kayak anglers, especially saltwater, we're we're a little hard on our gear. You know, we gotta have and then and then having a guy business, you gotta have stuff Absolutely. that stays uh, in check and in good condition too. So I mean, that is part of it. You know, you it know, is. and, and <laughs> I know you just you gotta have stuff that's dependable for sure. You know, especially I, with I, people I, that I, might be a little newer to using it. Yeah. I, Absolutely. I mean, fly fishing now with the fly fishing gear. Like I said, I'm Reddington. I'm happy with them. I'll, I, I'm a, I'm a fan. Their cost, their cost is, is you get bang for your cost. So yeah. what you put in is what you're getting. I mean, yeah. I, it's, it's good gear. It's, it's good gear. I mean, I mean, it's not a G Loomis or, or a Scott. I mean, those rods or even a Sage, but I mean, I, I've used them all. I've put them all in my hands. And I've used them. Some of them are good and some of them are trash. I mean, they're $800 yeah. for a rod, and I'm like, this. I don't see the $800. I'd rather go use my Crux and I'll yeah. take you to town with my Crux. I could fire my, my line 100 yards with the Crux, and I can't do it with the, the higher end. Yeah. So, I, I like my, like I said, I, I, I've, I've trusted Reddington for a really long time and hope they're listening. And I, I love them. I mean, it's not because I, I'm working with them. I've used other companies. And before I was working with them, I started with Reddington. I've used other companies. Yeah. I've used higher rods. I mean, wasted more money than I should have. And I always gravitated back to Reddington because they're yeah. trying to be in between. They understand. And they get the kayak fishing and they get the, the economical version part of it and they still build great rods their blanks are amazing i mean i don't understand what they're doing but I, they, they got it right they got the, the formula right as far as the rods so i'm I, my gear lasts forever and like i said i abuse my gear like i really do i'm yeah. catching big fish i'm using them daily and the reels are keeping they're, they're keeping keeping up to me keeping up to my right. abuse and no hiccup i'm not rinsing them Rods are holding up. I mean, I got. I'm using one rod now. One of the crux since it first came out. I think it's like three years old. Still looks new. 
I keep rinsing it, never broken it. It's still going, and then same thing with kayaks, jacks and packs. I mean, yep. little couple hiccups here and there, but you know, but those are those things that that they you know, progressively you're gonna learn, you know, especially like the big rig. I kept on telling them, "Oh, you guys gotta reinforce the floor." I don't think people were standing on it like they expected them to stand on. I was like, "I'm standing on my kayak for eight, nine hours a day." I was like, "That floor ain't gonna handle." So of course, yeah. I'm gonna break kayaks. Yeah. Just the amount add of a, use, add a little more like plastic to the to the deck. Yep. Yeah, or or just put some more reinforcement. Same thing with skips. Yep. In some of these skips, you buy them, and they they're, they're meant for weekend warriors, not for guys. Where not he's for somebody that's on water every deck, day, you know, yeah. making arcades every day. You know, I'm gonna run to the make Marquesas every day. You know, that's that's a 40 mile run, 30 mile run. And yeah. if you've never been to the Marquesas and you're crossing across Boca, ooh, oh, you get yeah. a little bit of wind, and that thing is hairy. I yeah. mean, even in a big boat, I've crossed it on a big boat. And I'm like, oh my god, this place is it gets violent there. Same thing with the kayak. I mean, there's bays that I gotta cross sometimes on a little bit of wind, and the place turns into yeah, into a nightmare. Sketchy, it, it, it's sketchy. I sketchy, man. I mean, I'm like, I'm not making it back. I'm like, I'm gonna have to call the wife. I'm like, I'm gonna have to sleep back here in the sticks, wife. I'm like, just come back or call someone that has a, a boat to come get me. Yeah, like, for but, sure. I, I've been in a couple situations like that. <laughs> but the, the gear, I, like I said, the gear that I've landed on and, and the people that I've I've associated myself with, with Jackson, Reddington, and, and all these other companies that I've, I've used, it's because I, I rely on them. As much as they rely on me to help them out and promote their yep. product, I rely on them as much because it's part of my business now and part of my lifestyle exactly. and they sure. haven't failed me. I mean, it, the, the gear is there, the gear works and I, I use it on a daily basis and I love it. I, it's there. Awesome. And I'm, I, I still have, I still have big rigs from 2014, 15 that are still in service right now. Those are my, basically my guideboats right now. And they're still pretty, pretty much new and awesome. they're reliable. Never had an issue with them. Still trucking the big rig. <laughs> Hey, oh, so what you feel man. about I'm the, not giving uh, them up. You know, motors on the kayaks, you know. You you uh you partake in any of that little electric if motor you game? Don't get with the, if you don't if you don't get with the program, you're gonna get left behind. There you go. <laughs> if, yeah, if, it's if definitely you don't there. Get with the program, I mean, you're gonna get left behind. If there was a huge progression and I've seen it. Started yeah. off with paddling, everybody paddling, then moved over to the foot drive. And we're in this this weird stage right now where it's foot drive, electric, it's 50-50 right now. Everybody wants foot drive, but foot drive is going to become obsolete between the technology that's coming out between lithium batteries. I mean, they're getting smaller and smaller, powerful and more powerful. And now we're bringing down the weight and the cost is going down. Yes. And then, and then we have the technology behind, which I still think it's behind, the technology behind drones. And their brushless motor and their direct drives now that have been an influence now for these motors. And now you're starting to get up to three horsepower electric engines that only weigh a couple a couple more pounds, what 18 pounds, 20 pounds. Because I think yeah. um, I personally drive use a torpedo. I mean, now yes. I've had torpedo now for like four four years. And when the engine goes down, because like everything else, and abuse and in time of water and hours, things fail and things tend to to have little hiccups. I won't fish. I don't want to paddle. It's sort of like this. I, I I won't fish for those couple weeks. I mean, I'll do short little trips here and there. That I know that they're about a mile long, two miles long, mm -hmm. and I can pull ninety percent of it. 
but Tokyo's changed my life. That electric engine has completely changed my life. Absolutely. It's made my guiding business a lot better. It's been more uh, efficient as far as guiding-wise. What is my clients? I've never complained on the trip back after a five-mile hike into uh, another remote spot that I found, and that's where we're going to go. And then they look back, and they're like, wow, we're pretty far. I was like, drink your, your, your soda and have yourself a... a, a, a glass of water and then relax because it's going to be a nice yeah. smooth ride back home smooth and, ride and back. <laughs> it it i don't want to say save my life but it's pretty much got me out of a pinch with a yeah. time so i i i'm not looking back i'm just not looking forward now to the progression i think the electric engines like i said since it's 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 evolving and technology is just leaps and bounds at this point with, with right. the things that are coming now. And I think in the next two years, we're going to have some type of weird like jump as far as battery-wise goes. And the engines are only being held back by the amount of power that we can put into the engines. So right. we're and only weight. behind and power-wise because, and because of the battery. But yes. I think now with all these car manufacturers jumping in, you got Ford now jumping in with the Ford Lightning, coming out with a Ford uh, all-electric. You got Hummer. You got yeah, Tesla. You got, and all that. Yep. I mean... Yeah, you've got so many companies now. Now it's going to be a, a, an arms race for batteries. Once these guys start releasing some of this technology in the battery and it starts trickling down to everybody else, it's just going to trickle down to us as well, too. And then we're going to, the batteries are just going to get better. I mean, right now, that torpedo battery is ridiculously small. It doesn't weigh Yeah, it's only like seven. I get, what my yeah, it's, it's it's a small, and I have the big the the nine fifteen, and it's so small. And I mean, yes. it weighs a little bit more than the than the, the four. I think it's the three fifteen. Three fifteen weighs a lot more, and there's a big weight discrepancy behind. But but it's only yeah, it's only a matter of like two or three pounds. But still, right. I mean, the 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 small engine, the four three A, I think is what it is. It's only fifteen yep. pounds, and I think the four three AC AC seventeen yeah, total. It's 17 pounds total. I mean, what's the difference? Yeah. It's only two pounds. There's no difference. Yeah, it's not much. You got a lot, lot longer range, too. Yep. Absolutely. I mean, I'm getting 30 mile ranges sometimes on this battery when I'm going with the tide and the wind and cruising. And yes. I'm only cruising. I'm not even hammering down. And I get a 30 mile range. I'm like, okay. I mean, now I got room to, all right, I this spot sucks. I'm going to go another three, four miles farther south and check something else out that I have been meaning to, to cross off my list. And boom, I'm I'm like, all right, cool. Now I know that. Well, I that's the cool thing about the torpedo. The yeah, is that you have that real time range data that it will display. Absolutely. You know, what your range is at that throttle position and at that speed. So that way, you know, you're not going to get hung up. You know, well, dang, I got four miles back to this launch. You know, I got to conserve my battery, run yeah, it maybe and, at and half I'm throttle, seven, and yeah, I'm going to make it I'm, back. Yeah. Yep. No, sure. and then I mean, and you're seven miles, and it's reading four miles. I was like, two things are gonna happen: either I back off a little bit, but then yep. you can't because you got a little bit of wind and a little bit of current. So you got to keep up. The, I mean, it gives you this 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 dexterity that you can you can move around. I'm like, right, yeah, I I could do this. Then uh, we started using them about four years ago, and I mean, we have them in the back. It's just progression yep. after progression. I'm already plotting and and kind of putting nickel and dime myself a little bit in the side because i'm just going to move over to the 1103 yeah i was like let's move up to the three horsepower i was like if the one horsepower can give me all this range and all this dexterity and all this movement and 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 be and it helped me so much what kind of three horsepower you, you're only talking about pounds at this point as well too because yeah. i mean 
everything, and at least on the boat sense, everything correlates to weight, to the to the amount of weight that you're putting on the boat, to the amount of power. I mean, it starts balancing off because prior to the Torquedo, I had gotten myself a Minkota 30 horsepower, uh, 33 pounds, and then put a um a deep 29 or a deep 27 or I don't remember the battery so, but it was like an 80 pound battery in the back 80 of the pound boat. battery, yeah, yeah. I wasn't moving. I, I was getting a 30 mile range. I was never making it home. I was like, it get me there, but it never got me back. And then who wants yeah. to paddle back home with 80 extra pounds on you? I was like, this is not going to yeah. work out. I ripped the whole entire system off, and I was like, screw this. I was like, this yeah. is not worth it. I'll go back to paddling. It's easier to paddle back home with nothing on my boat. Exactly. And then Torquedo showed up to the scene, did, did a little bit of research, and uh, Randy got it first. He beat me to the to the gun after I showed it to him, and literally a couple weeks later, I had ordered mine. I was like, yeah, that's going to happen. But if, gonna you're happen. Not on, yeah. if you're not on the train, you're going to let me know. It's gonna happen. Yeah, I think all I think most that most all the trails, yeah, for foot drive. Yeah, they yeah. all have, like they're, a, they're all being powered by by some type of electric engine. Yes, correct. I mean, there's a lot of our saltwater stuff here. A lot of our saltwater tournaments all went to uh, allowing motors, also. So everybody's kind of getting on that bandwagon. You know, they're 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 sponsoring events and everything too. So I think it's good for the growth. You know, it, it helps Absolutely. increase your range, like you said. And, uh, you know, it just, uh, you know, makes it, you know, adds a little bit of weight, but it's not enough to really factor in too bad, especially with it, the investments in the batteries and everything. So, yeah, I'm, I'm stoked on the battery and the progressions and, and, and of the motors coming up in the in the industry. So I think it's going to be pretty I'm fun. looking forward. I think the next, I think the next two years are going to be revolutionary as far as the engines. I mean, look at Torquedo now. They went to a direct drive, yep. three horsepower. I mean, that that's changing the game again. It's bringing the, the bar up a little bit more and more. I mean, yeah. I think people are going to be chit-chatting more and more about electric engines. I mean, look at all these guys with the, the big Minkotas, the XI3s and XI4s yeah, that are slapping them on in front of the yep. bowels of the boat. Spot I mean, it's changing. I mean, it's half the price of a, of a bass boat, but you can still do the bass. I was doing yes. it. I started bass fishing. I did the KBFs, and the torpedo changed my world. I mean, my yes. buddy was on a hobby doing the pedaling, but... Eventually, you know, there was things that he couldn't do in the Hobie, and I was like, I'm, I'm staying in one spot, just literally on the torpedo, just you know, running the engine at a certain yeah, uh, you just run it at a, at a low wattage and it holds you in space. Yep, yep. Just use your foot control it pedal. Holds you, and it holds you in that one space. Yes, sir. That's it. Yep. Yeah, it comes I mean, in I handy. Was, it comes in handy in the wind for sure. <laughs> it does, and I was tearing things up, man. And my buddy was all over the place on his Hobie. I mean, it, it, don't get me wrong, the foot drive for Hobie is still revolutionary. At yeah, that, that 360 drive, that, is pretty cool. That 360 drive is awesome, and even just the the, the new the, the foot fins, drive is yeah. amazing. The fins, and then you add a torpedo to that that equation. I mean, I, I I've been burned by a whole, uh, outbacks with torpedo. They literally zip by me, and I'm like, son of a! I was like, they got a torpedo in the back, and they're kicking all at the same time. They're zipping by me like a nine miles per hour. I'm like, food for thought. I was like, maybe I have to put on. They're they're moving. I was like, that's all about moving, man. And yep. And this day and age, everything's a rat race. I mean, yes, I'll give you a, I'll sure. give you a quick scenario. Tarpon tournaments. It's the same thing in tarpon tournaments down here in South Florida. Look up Chad Huff and these guys down there, what they're doing with the chinooks. So you're getting an all-carbon fiber boat that weighs 200 pounds, and they're slapping, they're, they're slapping on the back a 225 uh, Mercury Opti racing mm -hmm. engine on it. Mm -hmm. 
they're going 80 miles per hour on a, on a 17 foot, 18 foot skip. So they can be, they, they can be on the second leg out. So that means what they they could be. It's every 15 minute on 15 minute intervals. I think even for the Gold Cup, every 15 minutes they get launched out. A group gets launched out. So a guy can be 30 minutes ahead of you, going 40 miles per hour, and you're going 80, 89 miles per hour. You're gonna zip by the first guy that drove by. You're gonna beat him to the spot, going 80 yeah. plus. So, so we got all those guys in the Red Redfish Cup on the tower boats that they're running 350 and 400 uh, Mercury Pro XSs on their their 22, 23 foot. Boats. Going 70 miles per hour. Going 90, 80, 90 exactly. miles an hour. Yep. Dipping across the water, you know? Yeah. But the same thing's gonna the same thing is catching them to the to the kayak seat. And yeah. especially in the last I, I think it's fizzled out a little bit and settled down a little bit, but that vaccine the last two years was out of control. I mean, look at the industry as far as like boats why went. Everybody stopped what they were doing, literally hit the e-brake and everything went straight and focused to bass fishing, kayak bass fishing. The tour yeah. the back I think it's taking a little bit of step back now, and I think people are realizing we can't pigeonhole ourselves into just building packs that are just specifically for basketball. Yeah. Also because you're, you're losing clientele from every aspect, from the offshore, the inshore. Yes. Basketball is huge. I got into it. I fell into the trap as well, too, started basketball. I've always been a basketball I liked it. But I saw these companies literally gear themselves to, to, to the bass world, and... I think it's just a progression. We're kind of jumping around, trying to get into that niche and trying to figure out what, what the right boats are. I mean, you can never find the right boat. It kind of is more into what you're going to be using on the water. Yes. I like using the big rig. It's a good boat to pull. It's wide. It's comfortable. It's stable. Pulls well. Tracks well. It's not the best paddling boat. It's not a long-distance traveler. But you slap a torpedo in the back now. Now we're talking. And it is good to go. Yeah. Good to go. I'm doing... I mean, I've done 22 miles on a day between the polling and, and moving around with, with, with the torpedo, 22, 23 miles per hour, 23 miles. Oh, yeah. I, think I have a, a log that I, I tap before I leave, and it just starts reading miles all oh, You're mile number two and the mile number three, and just, you know, when I get back to the ramp, I turn it off, oh, 22 miles. Mm. That's an average summer day out here. I was like, cool, yeah. 22 miles. And I barely broke a sweat because I was just hopping around, jump around, look around, pole mile two or flat. Sit back down, turn the torpedo on, keep going south. Go to your next spot. And keep and going pull around keep and look for the next spot. I, I'm able to follow the tides with this thing. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm going out into places that I was like, I would look over the horizon and be like, hmm, I mean, that's a long paddle to be doing. I was like, I got to time it right. Tide, wind, sun. I mean, uh, I had to do calculus to make it all the way out there in the right position to yes. not get destroyed on the way back. But now with the torpedo, who cares? I mean, I do care. I mean, I'm not going to go out with a 30 mile per hour wind, but instead of hesitating and going out with an 8 mile per hour wind, which I don't yeah. mind 8 to 5, I mean, I like a little ripple in the water and it kind of yes. comes down the fish and I can get a little closer to them as well. I was like, no, nah, I don't care, even if I have to come back because I have the torpedo and I have this ridiculous amount of range on these, on these batteries. So. Exactly. Like said, you know, yeah. they don't get people I'm the same the way. I left behind. Same way going in the back marsh, in the little back lakes, you know. I'll do, uh, you know, seven, eight mile one way and, you know, be 15, 60 mile round trip. I'm going back in these back marsh, fishing these sloughs and back lakes and stuff. And then, uh, you know, get back there, even if, you know, the wind, you know, the other day we had a, had an event, you know, and it was, it was blowing 20 to 25 out of the north. So we were, we were drifting along, you know, pothole flat, you know, just burning across the open potholes with spoons. Um, and then we'd use the torpedo and position ourselves and just, 
just go two foot rollers and we'd run all the way back up, you know, two miles to the top of this flat Do it again. and then start doing it again. I said, man, if it would have been for them motors, we would have been hurting. <laughs> we'd have been hurting for sure. Yeah. You would have never done that. So it gives it, no, it's given no. the, the motor situation. I mean, the, the pedal drives work to a certain extent. They're not bad. Yes. I, I mean, like I said, I've used them. I've used all of them. I've used yeah. from Jackson to Natives to Hobie. I mean, some of them are more efficient than others. Some of them are a little faster than others. Yeah. Some of them have their quirks. Some of them break down more than others. Some of them are more reliable than others. But the pedal drive, I think, launched the, the motor drive. And then Torquedo right. was basically by themselves. And now Bixby came out. There's a couple other companies that are popping up now yes. as far as the electric. I think Torquedo has it nailed down. There's a couple little quirks here and there that they need to finish. They fix, you know, that, that mm -hmm. I've picked up on because of the amount of time that I've spent in the water. But those are just simple little things that were just kind of like pet peeves of mine. And I'm like, I mean, we can fix this and this. But for the right. most part, nothing broken. I mean, it worked. Yeah. Yeah, so get a motor. Get a broken, might as well just keep using it. But <laughs> For get sure. A, you know, get a motor. I recommend it. I highly do. You'll never look back. It'll change and revolutionize your fishing. Like yes. nobody, like you can't imagine. I mean, wheel. Well, dude, man, I appreciate you coming on the show. We just uh rolling you. right along and just pop over an hour. I look up, it's like, man, it's already been over an hour. Just sitting here. Hour. Yeah. Yep. Sitting here talking. That's what it does when we start talk. talking about fishing. Fish talk. Just yes, keep sir. at it. So, you know, at the end of the show, we uh like to give y'all, give the guests a platform and, uh you know, throw some shout outs out there and get some thanks to some sponsors. So, go ahead, brother. Off the bat, I'm going to start off with Reddington. Thank you guys for always being, up, being with me and believing in me. So, you guys ever want a good fly reel and Fly fishing gear and, and chats, check out their forums. They have a great blog, great people on the Reddington team and the family. Because it's not even a team, it's a family, which makes it even that much better. And then I want to reach out and say thank you for Jackson for putting up with me for eight years and all my, my craziness and all my fishing and all my complaints and all my, my questions. And But you guys have a great product. You haven't failed me yet. You guys have kept me on the water for man, almost 10 years now. And you're going to continue to keep me in the water, hopefully for the future. So thank those two companies. And then thank my buddy at the 239 Fly Shop, Nick Davis. Guy always has the stuff that I need when I need the, I'm on a pinch either with hooks, fly gear, apparel. I mean, he has it all. He's a company now. I think his business has been up for, his fly shop has been up for like three years now. He's doing really good, but... If you're on a pinch and you're looking for something or you need questions answered or something done, fly fishing related, 239 flies. Sweet. Yeah, yeah. Well, all right, man. Well, here, um, we'll put that uh, little announcement back up there. If you're watching on YouTube or Facebook through via video, uh, y'all check him out. Follow Alex on uh, Instagram. Bone underscore collector underscore underscore kayak fishing, and uh, also uh, for his guide business. If you're interested in jumping on a trip there, if you're in the South Florida area and find yourself there, look him up. You know, www.bonecollectorkayakfishing.com, and he will get you set up, and y'all could chase some of them Biscayne Bay slob bonefish. <laughs> 
Right on, man. Well, dude, I appreciate you coming on the show. Come on, yeah. I appreciate you being on the show. Thank you so much for having me on. Yes, sir. And then uh, we'll catch you next time. My extensions out there, whenever you make it down here, whenever you make it down to South Florida, me casa's you casa, man. You can come down here and get some fish down. And Mm. you'll probably get a a call from me at some juncture because I do want to go to Louisiana and I do want to do some kayak fishing up there. I've always wanted to do it. So I've seen plenty of pictures of Jameson coming up there and and tearing up some redfish. I got to put him, I got to show him how it's really done. Go out there and do some Uh redfish. I love me some redfish. I love redfish. They're fun. Come on out here in the fall when they're they're schooling over here in my area. Yep. And uh, yeah. and I like black drum up. too. People, yeah, black drum are fun. I love black drum. I actually caught a big Biscayne Bay black drum the other day, which is a, a rare occasion. I've never seen a muscle schooled up. I caught a nice 10 pounder, 15 10 pounder, which is big for, for South Florida and our area too, especially in Biscayne Bay with bonefish. You know? Yeah, so yeah. I, was, I was happy to see that. But I, I'm I'm mentioning to get up to, to Louisiana, man. I, I need a vacation. I haven't taken a vacation in two years, so I am due. Well, you may get a buzz for me and uh, come on trip. out, come on out, make a road trip. But yeah, shoot, yeah. Once again, man, thanks for coming on the show. Once again, you know, again, Dude, thanks to dry. the listeners. You know, uh, thanks to all the listeners and the show support from uh, Waterloo Rods and Truchador Co. And uh, thank y'all for listening to Chasing the Tide on the Palafin Network.